Hey everyone, this is Tom Singer. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to inform you about a special offer that I have to join a brand new group called My Sales Call. If you work for a small business or if you're a solopreneur, having some people to talk about ideas and best practices and to have a focus and accountability around sales is so important. It's so easy to get caught up in the busy work that we don't do what we need to do to drive the sales in our business. So I have started a weekly call where people can get together and share ideas around sales and then make a commitment to the group of what they're going to accomplish for the next week. It's just like if you work for a big company, your sales manager would have a weekly sales call. This is your sales call. Go to mysalescall.com to find out more and sign up today. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Well, hello there, and welcome back to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to my virtual cool kids table. Uh, I've been doing the show for a long time because I know one thing is always true, and that is success leaves clues. So what I try to do on this podcast is bring you really interesting people who are smart, who are doing cool things. And I think today is gonna be one of those days because today we have somebody on who she says she is entering the sixth stage of her life. Now her life story is fascinating and we're gonna get into some of that, but she's also 78 years old and I can say that because she is not ashamed of it. She is proud that she's 78 and she is reinventing herself all over again. She's written a book and now she is speaking telling her story about daring to dream once again and that is that it's never too late think about that if you're if she's 78 and she can dare to dream and start over again what are you complaining about if you're 38 or 48 or 58 oh my gosh dinah lynn welcome to cool things entrepreneurs do thank you so much tom i love that introduction love 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 it there's a big story behind being proud of my being proud to be public about my age. I don't know if you want to hear that story. I, let's hear that right now. <laughs> right off the bat. Wait, for 69 years, it was the best kept secret. It really, no one knew. My best friends didn't know. Even my kids weren't even sure. And the problem I had was that on one hand, I sent a card to a friend years ago that said, age is mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. (laughs) And I truly believed that. But one week out of the year, the week before my birthday, I would start having this, you know, anxiety and sort of discussion and argument, you can say, with myself. I felt so, uh, I felt like I wasn't being totally honest with myself even. But this was the debate. And year after year, this went on. And finally... Finally, when I turned 69, I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to put this behind me. And I came out and I was so proud. I think I was announcing my age to everyone who probably didn't even care one way or the other, but that's the story. 
behind that. I I think it's awesome. I always tell people when I turned 50, a lot of my friends were all freaked out about turning 50 and it really didn't bother me. And I figured out one of the reasons it didn't bother me is my dad was 52 years old when I was born. So I don't really even have memories of my dad till he's in his 60s. And I really got close to him when he was in his 70s when I was an adult. And uh, he ended up living to be 99 years old. So, you know, I, I, I witnessed somebody. He was widowed when he was 70 and he literally was like, yeah, I'm not going to get remarried because I could probably only live five or six years. He lived 30 more years and had a very full life and just really he had a, he had a really good time. So uh, when I turned 50, Wonderful. I wasn't shy about it. And there are people in my business because I'm a speaker who are like, oh, you know, color your hair, uh, you know, because I have a little little hint of gray going on. My, my brown hair is getting a little more tan, uh, if you will. And people are like, oh, you should color it. Don't, and don't tell people you're over 50 because the millennials would rather have younger speakers. And I'm like, that's really not what I'm finding. I'm finding people are like, oh, that's cool. Yes. Well, there you go. And you know what I think is one of those unfair things about, I could say, nature is that men often will look more distinguished with some gray in their hair. And women, <laughs> there are a few who are lucky and they'll look distinguished, but the rest of us, we're not going to look distinguished. <laughs> so, well, but I, again, huh? When I met you and you said your age, I almost fell out of my chair. You don't look like you're 78 on any day of the week. Well, thank you so much, Tom. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad that I, you know, I have the energy and the willing not willingness but the desire to just keep on doing things so your your life story is kind of interesting so why don't we back up and and somewhat quickly give us a little bit of the other five stages of your life quickly okay well i would say the first stage is up until i was seven you know and seven is an important age seven is a very important year for me because That was 1949, and that's the year that my mom, my brother, my sister, and myself escaped on the last boat out of Shanghai. And I have always been so grateful that I can be both Chinese and American. So that was a, you know, definitely a a year that I hold, you know, dear to my heart. It's very significant. And then the second stage would be. I guess seven until I got married. (laughs) My carefree days as a single person, and I was married young, uh, married when I was still in college, in fact, and my son was born after my junior year, which made for a very interesting senior year. Now, let me see. I think the third stage is the 18 years that I was married. And, you know, we lived in Asia for 15 of those years in five different countries. We lived in Hong Kong, Singapore, Malaysia, Philippines, and Thailand over a 15-year period. Every time my husband, ex-husband, got a promotion, we moved. So that was, I don't know, I'm losing track of my stages. The next stage was when I finally started my own career. And I had my first job, first full-time job ever at the age of 36. Wow. We were still living in Hong Kong. And I remember just being so scared and so confused. It's like, what can I do? Haven't ever worked. What can I possibly do? And who possibly hired me? And I finally decided, okay, I'm going to try for banking because I majored in economics when I was at Barnard. And I remember I got an honors in economics, so I'm good with numbers. So that's what I tried out for. And I was hired by Chase Manhattan Bank 
And so that was that stage of my life. And then the fifth stage, or am I in the fourth? I'm losing track of stages. <laughs> yeah, we're ready for the fifth, yeah. <laughs> we're going to run out of time before I get to this. Fascin- it's been a fascinating life. There's a lot to tell. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, there was a stage where it was my whole career. You know, that was my career. Uh, and, and from the time I started with Chase, got my MBA at Columbia, put myself on the fast track, had my corporate career and Fortune 500 and some high-tech startups. And then, I guess it had to be the fifth stage, was when I moved to Beijing. I just, I had spent time in Beijing, well, a summer studying Chinese. And I just loved the language. So at the age of 58, when I was in the year 2000, I moved to Beijing. And I thought it would be a year or two. It ended up being a decade I just fell in love with the language, with the culture, with the people. I really connected. And they were wonderful. And that decade was incredible because that's the decade that China really just, they came on the world stage, you could say. You know, the Olympics was 2008. And it was a wonderful, fascinating time to be there. So this stage of my life, (laughs) I am an author and a speaker, I think. So I think it's interesting that you were born and, and lived the first seven of your life, seven years of your life in China, and then you lived in the United States and, and many other countries. But at this later stage in life, you moved back to China and got to experience sort of China went into a period and you left. And as they came out of that period and was more on the world stage, more open, you got to go back and experience that. I, I just think that's a fascinating uh, pattern of circles in your life. You know, I am so glad you pointed that out. I don't know if I've ever quite thought about it that way, just the way you've described it, that you see this pattern, this completion, whatever it is. I, I really think that, yeah, you have a point there. And I, you know, the 15 years that we lived in Asia, I just felt was such a wonderful experience, obviously, for the children, for myself. For me, because I had become very American, obviously. I grew up, you know, from the time I was seven, grew up, and I was very Americanized, if you will. So those 15 years in Asia gave me the opportunity to really appreciate the Asian culture. And yes, and it was a wonderful experience for the children as well. So what do you think, I mean, you had this big career after you, you, you took your life into your, your own hands and, and went back and got your master's degree and went to work for Chase and you had this long career. What was it that let you leave sort of the safety, if you will, of a, of a big corporate job to, you know, go do your own thing? Well, I'll tell you, it was not exactly my first choice. It wasn't even my choice, period. I... The, you know, my front end, I was with the Fortune 500. In between, I was with three high-tech startups. And then at the back end, or the last position I had was with the Fortune 500. And they went through what they call a reorganization. <laughs> oh, I've been through those. You've been through those. Yeah, yeah, reorganization is a fancy way of saying, we're letting you go. Absolutely. I was, you know, the vice president, worldwide business development for this Fortune 500 company. And they just went through their reorganization and decided, yes, that I, you know, they weren't going to be going into any new foreign market and they didn't need any business development. So there. And I would say I did try to, you know, go back in the corporate world. But I think part of it was 
I didn't try hard enough or I just, my heart wasn't really in it. So that's what happened. <laughs> so, so when did you write your book? Well, that was after I came back from Beijing. Okay. And it's, you know, I came back from Beijing after 10 years, 10 very, I would say, exciting, full years there. And I came back, it felt like it was time for me to come back. And I had two grandchildren at that time. And I, without a plan, I don't know if I would really, <laughs> I don't know if I would advise that, but I came back and here I was and I thought, okay, what am I gonna do with myself? Well. I have wanted to write a book, it seems like forever. It's always been sort of in the back of my mind and you know, life, and I was just too busy. And it took a crisis for me to really finally, finally get to the point where I go, I have got to write this book. It's the last thing I do. Yes, I mean, do you wanna hear about the crisis? Uh, sure, let's hear about the crisis. <laughs> we always love a good, we love a good crisis on Cool Things Entrepreneurs. Well, I, the crisis, I, it was, I don't know, maybe a few weeks, a few months after I came back, I was driving to do something, errand, and I started to cry. And then pretty soon the crying turned into sobbing. And I was really, I thought, my goodness, what was happening to me? I thought, you know, am I falling apart, cracking up? But deep down, I knew what was the problem. Deep down, I was so, um, what you can just say, heartbreaking, really, because I knew I wasn't following my dream of writing a book. I knew that's what it was. And it just sort of, I decided, even though I was scared to death, I didn't know what book I was going to write. I thought, if it's the last thing I do, I am going to write a book. And I thought, it doesn't even matter. If nobody reads it. I have to write it, first of all, for myself. And then for my children, my grandchildren, it's a legacy. So the subtitle of the book is It's Never Too Late. And I think you're a perfect example of this. I mean, if you think about it, your life, I mean, here was this immigrant who went on and, and became very Americanized and went to a great college. And then you got married and you had children. You traveled the world with your husband and then you got divorced and then you went to work in banking <laughs> and then you got a master's degree from one of the top universities <laughs> in the world. And then you had this great job with with big companies and small companies. Then you get laid off and you move to China and you spend <laughs> 10 years there and you come back and you were a grandparent and then you write a book and now you're a speaker. I think daring to dream it's never too late is sort of like amazing. So what advice do you have for people about this whole concept of it's never too late? Oh, well, I so, so believe it. You know, I say somewhere in my book, as long as you're breathing, it's not too late. I, you know, it, you can be at any age. It doesn't matter. I have a story, which we may not have time for. Uh, when I was in China, in Beijing, a young man, you know, sort of wanted to get my advice about something. He was only 27, but he was in the army and he was afraid to try to leave the army, but he wanted to leave the army and go into private sector. And I, we had this chat and I was, you know, talking with him and I shared my story with him. And he said to me really seriously, you know, and he said, Dinah, is it too late? You know, he really believed that, you, you know, his friends had been in the workforce for let's say five years and he felt like, oh my, he had to just stay where he was. Anyway, so you could be any age. You could be 27, you could be 97. <laughs> and, you know, it, I almost feel like it, 
may not matter whether you reach whatever it is your dream might be. What matters is that you start. What matters is that you take a step. And what matters is that you follow. And maybe you don't really at the end, whenever the end is, we never know for any of us. Um, you may not get there, but at least you started and you tried. So, and so, I think a real dream, a true dream will never let you go. So it's interesting. It it's interesting because you sort of have lived in these two cultures and the American culture doesn't really honor the elders the way many of the Asian cultures do. Do you think it's your exposure to both that allows you to see this it's never too late piece, maybe more than the average American? Well, I love how you throw in things that I never thought about. <laughs> So my, my, my sister-in-law is is Chinese. Yes. Her, fa her family uh, oh. comes from the Shanghai area. I don't know exactly where. And her parents fled at the same time that you and your family did. They went to Taiwan and then eventually came to the United States. And okay. in I, having she's been my sister-in-law for 35 plus years. She, her family, tends, I tend to see it in the Asian culture. They honor their elders more than maybe we do in this young person's Kardashian fancy society that we live in. And so my, my thought was maybe it's that connection you have to uh, uh, your other culture that maybe allows you to have a step up. A uh, step up? Oh, I'll take the step up. No, you know, I never thought of it in that, from that point of view, um, because I guess, yes, it just never occurred to me, but you're absolutely right about the, in the Asian culture, the elders are more, well, they're more respected and, you know, it, for their wisdom and treated well. And my friends that I saw, I was back in Beijing last year, thankfully early, like September. And, um, you know, they, they have a wonderful life, very full. They get together and they enjoy getting together and they're taken care of by their children. So that part of it's true, but whether that affected me or influenced me and why I think it's never too late, I'm not so sure. You know, it could be that so many things affect us, but subliminally or subconsciously that, you know, it's, there's an effect, but we're not even consciously aware of it. So that's very possible. So Dinah, I call the show cool things entrepreneurs do. What advice do you have for someone who wants to do things entrepreneurially, find their own path, whether they're 28 or 78? All right. You know, this is one of the lessons that I have. I would say if someone asked me about my life lessons, oh, my goodness, I would have so many to share. But I would say the overarching lesson for me has been to listen to your heart. So you can certainly, we all have, you know, uh, a bright mind and you can certainly, you know, do all your left brain thinking, the pros and the cons of habits or hobbies or likes, dislikes, whatever. But I think in the end, the challenge really is to get still, get quiet, and then listen to your heart. It's good advice. I would say that's that's how they will know whether they're following a real true dream or not. Mm. I, I like, really think the heart will let you know. I like that. 
So, Dinah, I've got a couple more questions for you. But first, I have to okay. thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode, it's brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Oh. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work to make sure that you can focus on creating great content growing your audience and interviewing really cool people like Dinah Lynn. Mm -hmm. Hey, if you want to start a podcast and I know, I know that some of you want to start a podcast, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Dinah, what's the coolest thing you're doing right now? The coolest thing I'm doing right now, Tom, is talking with you, being interviewed by you, and being interviewed on this show. Really, right now. You know, that's what you call living in the moment. Nice. Living in the present. Nice. So that is the coolest thing. Nice. So I love to ask the people who come on this show who it is in the world of entrepreneurship that they admire. Because I think great entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. And you've been at this game of life a long time. So when you look out at people who are entrepreneurs or maybe have been, who do you say, wow, she or he, they know the cool things? Oh, my gosh. Oh, so many. But one person whose courses I've taken, whose weekend things, you know, I've gone to, and I think is really smart, smart, is Brendan Burchard. Oh, sure. I know Brendan. You know, I think he's a great teacher. He really is terrific in terms of being able to teach. And I've read a couple of his books. Um, that's just who comes, you know, years ago, it used to be Tony Robbins for me. Sure. At the start of my career, I bought Tony Robbins full, I don't know, 28 cassette tapes and went to his weekend things and awaken the giant or whatever, yep. unleash the power within all of that. But, and then over the years, there've been so many wonderful teachers. What I mean, I'm kind of like a workshop junkie. I love <laughs> retreats, seminars, webinars, online courses, all of it. Nice. But just off the top of my head, somebody that I think is smart and teaches well, that's the name I gave you. So I met Brandon Bouchard when he was a brand new speaker before he was famous and actually hung out in the bar with him one night. And so I've watched his career take off. I, I met him when he was brand new to this world. So he's he's right. done yeah. he's done pretty well for himself. He's so done pretty well. The Absolutely. last question I ask everybody is, what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because I think having a fortunate life mm -hmm. and having mm -hmm. had so many experiences and, and being fortunate, I think that's wonderful. But it's more than just making money. And I love to hear what people do to serve humanity. So what do you do? Yeah. Well, you know, I would say so far I've been probably I've been not I hate to say playing small, but I have not given out as much as I could and I would like to. And that's why I think I'm entering the next phase of my life. I feel like this is how, you know, it's not about selling my book, but it's about sharing the message. And if my message can help, you know, even one or two, or however many, um, I feel that's really my mission from here until I don't know when, <laughs> until the next stage of my life. That's right. Well, we'll look forward to finding out what the seventh stage of your life is when you're 90. We'll have you back on the show in, in 12 years. <laughs> oh, how about 88? <laughs> there you go. 10 years. 
10, ten years. years. Eighty-eight. You, awesome. you know, eight is a lucky number in Chinese. Nice. It's a number of prosperity. They love the eight. Awesome. So, any last words of advice for the audience? Oh my! <laughs> last words of advice. I thought I'd give it no. <laughs> Last words of advice. I would say something that I'm working on and I've been working on more in the last few years is beingness. Less doingness and more beingness and more practicing for myself, more being in the moment, being present. I would say that that's for myself. That's what I'm practicing. And I think that's great advice for all of us. Entrepreneurship can be hard. The world has gone through a lot of changes the last few months yes. as we've been knocked around a little bit. And I think just taking a minute and accessing that part of your being, I think I think that's great advice. So if somebody's listening to this and they're like, I have to know more about Dinah Lynn, who, who is this lady? Where do they find you? Well, they can find me at www.thedinahlynn.com. That's the website I put up when I came out with my book, and I will be revamping it to be more a speaker type of a website. <clears throat> and they can find me on Amazon. Just type in Dinah, D-I-N-A-H, Lynn, L-I-N, and my book pops right up. Awesome. There's, there's not a lot of competition from other Dinah Lynn's. It's just you. Oh, well, thank you. But actually, I think there are two or three other ones, oh. but they ha- they're not authors. They're not, they're not, and they're not nearly as fascinating, I'm sure, so. Hey, thank you so much for being a guest here and sharing your your personal story because when I first heard it, I thought, wow, that is an amazing life and uh, keep living it. We look forward to hearing what happens when you're 88. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Tom. I enjoyed this so much. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to everybody who listened. I say it every time. If it wasn't for the audience, why would we do this show? So get out there and flex your entrepreneurial muscles, because I'll tell you what, we need that in the world more than ever. Make sure you're doing what's true to your heart. Put your ladder against the right wall and go out and try some new things. And while you're at it, have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.